You're listening to Inspirational Perspective with Lamel Harris. Inspirational Perspective is all about murdering mediocrity and living the best life possible. Are you living the best life possible? You can subscribe to the Inspirational Perspective blog at www.inspirationalperspective.com. Follow Linnell on social media. Go to Facebook and like the Facebook page, Inspirational Perspective. You can also follow Linnell on Twitter and Instagram at the handle Linnell Harris. In this recording, Linnell asks his radio audience, does our environment create our thoughts? And do our thoughts create our world? Do we become what we think about? Do our thoughts create our reality? Let's join the conversation. So I have a question for you this evening. Do you really become or do we really become what we think about? A lot of great minds have proclaimed this idea to be true, but is it really? Do our thoughts really create our reality? Do our thoughts create the world we experience? James Allen thought so. He authored the book, As a Man Thinketh. I don't know if you've, any of you have read this book, but the context of the entire book is about the power of the mind and the power of our thoughts. In his book, he wrote, you are today where your thoughts have brought you. You will be tomorrow where your thoughts take you. So basically, James Allen believed that our mind and our thoughts shape our world. Gandhi was quoted saying, a man is but the product of his thoughts. What he thinks, he becomes. So is it true that we are ultimately responsible for creating our lives through our thoughts? Now, I'm sure I have a listener out there right now who is having an emotional reaction to this, thinking, now, wait a second, Linnell. Are you saying that I created my life? Are you saying I created my poor health? Are you saying I've created these poor circumstances I'm in? Are you saying I've created all the sorrow in my life? Well, you know, the fact of the matter is that I don't know everyone's circumstance, so I can't definitively answer that question. But directionally, I do believe that our thoughts play a huge part in the life we experience and lead. If you disagree, let's talk about it. That's what I'm here for. If you agree, share your perspective or maybe you want to testify. You know, you have seen how thoughts actually play out in your life. Do our thoughts really create our reality? Do our thoughts create the world we experience? Based on my reading, and that is what James Allen and Mahatma Gandhi are saying, and it's not just them. Plenty of scholars and leaders have documented their thoughts on this subject. Another one is Henry David Thoreau. He wrote, I know of no more encouraging fact than the unquestionable ability of a man to elevate his life by conscious endeavor. And what does he mean by conscious endeavor? I would say it's simply, you know, simply turning thoughts, which is conscious, into action, which is your endeavor. So thoughts into action is, you know, your conscious endeavor. Napoleon Hill authored the book, Think and Grow Rich. Such a cliche title, right? Yet the title really kind of sums up the book. If you've read it, if you think about success and success only, you will begin becoming a product of that thought of success. Uh, you know, and, and success is not, it's not just about, you know, I, I want, you know, I want to be successful. 
because a want will leave you feeling unfulfilled. A thoughtfulness in regards to success will leave you with an idea. So I want to make sure we understand the difference there. All right, I'm going to say it one more time. A want for success will leave you unfulfilled, just wanting it. A thoughtfulness, a thoughtfulness in regards to success will leave you with ideas. Ideas that are turned into action will then lead towards your eventual success. The impetus of that success are your thoughts. Okay, I'm getting real deep, but I really want this topic to seep in. I want it to seep into your beings out there. Our mind, our thoughts control it all. It controls everything for us. Within our thoughts lies our fears. And, you know, just speaking of uh, Thinking World Rich by Napoleon Hill, he said in that book, fears are nothing more than a state of mind. So what is your state of mind? Does your state of mind make you stronger or does your state of mind make you weaker? Does your state of mind make you into a victim of circumstance or does your state of mind make you into a victor overcoming the odds? You know, Jay-Z said he had an empire state of mind. You listen to a lot of his lyrics and, you know, he talks about how he thinks, what's in his mind quite often. You listen to the song, Can I Live? He said, lock my body, but you can't trap my mind. A little later in the song, he said, don't be fooled by my game. It's mental. We both out of town, dog. Why you trying? What you trying to get into? I'm not going. I'm going to stop. Because I could say that 10 times. They won't get it, will they, Zach? You know, Zach over there laughing at me. Is it imperative that we begin listening with a different lens? You know, what are you listening to? What, you know, and how do you listen to it? What lens are you taking it all in? What type of environment are you, are you creating for yourself? What kind of world are you creating for yourself? That's what tonight's topic is all about. And tonight's topic is based on the blog post. Our environment creates our thoughts. And that post was, uh, I made that post on Sunday on www.inspirationalperspective.com. So you can pull out your computer and, and take a look so you know what we're going to be chatting about over the next hour. All right, Chicago, let's have a conversation. Do you really become what you think about do our thoughts really create our reality? We got a caller, Will, from the southeast side of Chicago. Will, you're on the air, brother. How you doing? Good evening, my brother. Uh, you know what you said, what you just said about thoughts creating our reality is partially right. It's not all right and all wrong. In a perfect world, that would be right. But you see, uh, things outside of us can uh, and act or impact our lives. And it has very little to do with our thoughts. So, for instance, those people that were living in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and had created such a nice neighborhood for themselves, they didn't think about burning their town down, burning their section of town down themselves. There was a force outside of them that did that. People in Rosewood. You see, in a perfect world, our thoughts may be solely responsible for our conditions and our environment. But see, this is, as we all know, this is not a perfect world. And there are outside forces who will act upon us. Uh, Martin Luther King, he didn't think I, uh, shoot me, shoot me, shoot me. That was a force outside of him that 
impacted his life. You see, my brother, so what you're saying is partially right, but not completely right. I say to a degree, yes, I, because other things outside of you are impacting your life negatively, is no reason for you to lie and wallow in self-pity forever. But however, you must admit that you are being impacted negatively by something outside of yourself, and it's not just, and it's like you, uh, every time you walk past me, you step on my foot, and my foot is sore from you stepping on it. Well, my foot ain't sore because I got that thought in my head. My foot is sore from you stepping on it. All right, brother. You see what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. I I, I do. So, So to a degree, to a degree, what you're saying is right, but that is not all of it. We got to admit and realize that we are being impacted by a force that is outside of us. And then once we do that, we will, we should decide how to deal with that force. Are we to make our, should I make my foot stronger or give me some steel toe shoes and allow you to keep on stepping on my foot? Or should I pull a ball up my fist and hit you in your jaw the next time you come toward my foot? All right, my man. Right, hey, my so, brother. so brother right. Will, brother Will, let me ask you a question real quick because you, okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. So, you know, so you made a statement there. I'm, I'm following you. You said, hey, you know, you're talking about Black Wall Street in Tulsa, correct? The Black Wall Street, you know, those folks didn't ask for that to happen to them, you, you know, know and, and they have built a system. Yeah, yeah. So you have that. You talked about uh, Rosewood. You talked about Martin Luther King, you know, and, and so this is what I would say. What lens are you looking through? All right, because there's circumstances that happen to us. No doubt. No doubt about it. There are certain circumstances that happen in life that we can't necessarily control. But we do have we do have the the right to make a decision as to, okay, you know what? I can't control the circumstance, but I do choose my attitude. I do choose how I'm going to think about it. You know, there's something else that, uh, you know, at a lot of reading that I've done. I, I go back to Napoleon Hill a lot, but he says that often some of the worst circumstances create the best opportunities. We would we would not have gotten. Listen to me. We would not not have gotten great expectations from Charles Dickens if he didn't get his heart broken. You know, so there's a lot of times there are things that happen in life. And if we if we just like you said, you said it yourself, if we wallow in it, if we wallow in it, then we won't get anything done. If somebody's constantly stepping on your foot, yeah, you probably should move it out the way. Or, or if it's something you can't control, put the steel steel toe boot on. But uh, 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 ball what? Up your fist, uh, ball up your fist and well, I'm not going to advocate. I'm going to hit you. I'm not going to advocate violence. I'm not going to advocate violence at all. But I was taking that to the extreme. I, I wasn't really yeah. advocating violence. What I was advocating is we doing something about the circumstances that we find ourselves in, other than just saying I'm the cause of it. If I'm not the cause of me being in. Uh, like I said, if if, if 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 somebody else is impacting me negatively, I'm not to put it on myself and say, hey, man, this is only happening to me because of the way I think. Hell no, somebody outside of me is doing this to me. Now, I either got to adjust to it or do something about it. I can get my, I can make my foot get stronger, like I said, by putting on a steel toe boot or making my foot become immune to you stepping on it. I guess I can say, man, don't step on my foot no more. Do you see this duke I got here? You gonna taste some of it. Uh-huh. Now that's doing something. Yeah, so you went back brother. to it. You went back to it. You said you don't advocate for it, but you you went back to it again. Now, this, I, is, this is, like, let, let, let me let me get this in. Let me get this in, brother Will. Brother Will. Brother Will. Brother we Will. must do something. We must admit that something. It is not just see see my brother from the way you phrased it at first. 
it was kind of like you were saying that we oh. are the reason that we're in the shape we're in, and, and our thoughts are it only. That there is nothing negative our outside of us impacting us. But but this is the thing. All right, so I say that I say that, and I'm not I'm not stepping off of it. Our thoughts create our world. Uh, you know, as, <laughs> as, as, it has a, it has a huge part of our world. I'm gonna get deeper into it as well, we get into the show. What do you what do you think is responsible for these schools being closed? What do you think is responsible for uh, uh, being discriminated and the racism that is being heaped upon us? Our thoughts are the cause of that. You know what? It's a combination. There are certain I things. That's what I said. Yeah, so it is great. a combination. There are certain things that we have allowed to happen to us because we sit on the sidelines too long. Okay, so and if we, we don't and, allow and, it means we got to do some ball up our fists and say, "Okay, you ain't gonna discriminate." Yeah, but I'm not. I'm. I'm, I'm I don't mean. But let's mean, not brother, use the term. I don't mean, I don't mean a, a violence, brother. I'm saying doing something. Okay, I won't use. I won't say ball up your fist no more. I'll say, all right, then you said we allow it to happen to us. Okay. Then. So we got to do something. We can't sit back and say to ourselves, look, I got to change. Uh, All right, so let me I'm ask you the question, Brother Will. What this. What are you doing? What are you doing? How are you I, thinking every about this? Every day, every single day. I am 64 years old, God willing, come August the 19th. Every day that I meet brothers and sisters that I run into, I provide them with a certain a bit of knowledge that I do have to let them know how that they can improve themselves and let them know that some of this stuff that is happening to them is not because of the way that they think. It is because of something outside of them. And once you know who your enemy is, then you may can avert him or prevent him from taking advantage of you, don't you think? All right. Well, and I'll that, say this. And that, uh, that is uh, our uh, problem. All right. And you know what? You're planting a, you're planting a good seed. And having those conversations, I appreciate you, Brother Will, and, uh, you know, keep listening. All right, and it looked like he, he hung up. So, do we really become what we think about? Do our thoughts really create our reality? Got a phone call, appreciate the phone call from Brother Will, and uh, he, he agreed and disagreed with me about, about that. But I, I think a lot of times it's misunderstood, the question I asked. Do we really become what we think about. I'm not I'm not saying that you can change all your circumstances, you know, uh, completely by how you think, but who you become, what you become. Do our thoughts really create our reality? Now, that's the second part of it, right? Does it create our reality? Uh, you know, that's uh, that's the part that I believe that he was trying to debate there, you know, and, and you know, it's up for debate. That's why we're having the conversation tonight. In this week's post, I describe how I'm often shocked and baffled when I encounter friends and colleagues who are passionate about being green, you know, saving the earth, fighting global warming, but don't place the same importance on their personal space. You know, so and I'll give you an example, right? The house is dirty. Yard is unkept. Car is dirty. Office space is cluttered. You know, and don't get me wrong, I'm all about being green and recycling. I, you know, I recycle fanatically, actually. But I believe we need to care for, and I believe we need to care for the earth, and she's hurting. We're experiencing global warming. Some of you who follow the blog will remember the video I put in my year-end blog called the Top 10 Observations of 2012. And observation number seven was global warming. Don't believe in it? Check out the video. It's on www.inspirationalperspective.com. You know, it real quick make you start to wonder what's really happening. You know, this 
crazy weather continues to send us warnings as well. So, yes, we, we should be passionate about these things. But my number one priority isn't the earth. That's not my purpose in life. My purpose is to help myself and others live the best life possible. So my number one priority is us, the inhabitants of this earth, you know, and uh, and the black community. I'm you know, I'm I'm passionate about this thing. So how do we love, restore and nourish the earth when we don't even know how to love, restore and nourish ourselves? The answer I gave in the post was by nourishing our minds. We nourish our thoughts. And so I'm, you know, it's I like to err on the side of caution, you know. So earlier, you know, Brother Will said, you know, hey, it doesn't completely change circumstances. But, you know, what I want to I couldn't really get anything in. But what I wanted to say is, but what if it can change it just a fraction? What if it had a 50 percent effective rate? You know, then, you know. Would you would you think about more critically how you think versus just kind of tossing it to the side and say, hey, what happens will happen? You know, our thoughts are generated largely by our environments. So that's why I believe our environment is a perfect place to start the conversation. We've all heard the cliche terminology that people are products of their environment. But do you believe that? In my blog post, my question for reflection and action for this week was, does your space reflect the positive messages you desire to think? And what I mean by space is, you know, your home, your work, your room, whatever and wherever you have complete creative control. So, you know, take a moment and think about this. What does your environment say about you? And I'm talking about the environment that you can control. That's what I meant by complete creative control. All right. So, you know, you could live in a bad area, but you can make your space an oasis, an oasis by which you can escape. You know, but more importantly, what does your environment say to you? So what does your environment say about you? But what does it say to you? Does it speak love, joy, gratitude, peace, hope, and inspiration into your thoughts and into your life? Or does it speak weakness, guilt, shame, inferiority, need, and defeat into your thoughts and into your life? I say we take a look. You know, so, you know, we have this argument about our community, right? But when we, I mean, look at our music. Look at the music. Look at the pictures you see on billboards, You know, uh, look at your your favorite television shows, what we're watching. Once we begin to observe everything in our space, what does it represent and what is the intent? What does it make you think? You know, so, you know, largely we say we can't control certain things, but I think a lot of times we turn a blind eye to our environment, You know, to the neighborhoods that we live in, to the things that we see day after day after day. And we don't we don't really realize the implications that it can have on our overall being, you know, who we are, how we think. So whatever your environment is saying to you will impact the way that you think and how you think will impact the way that you live your life. Your environment and the effect it has on your thoughts is compelling. You know, when was the last time you took an inventory of your environment? Do the people you closely associate with, the places you frequently go, the space in which you live or work, 
You know, everything that you put your hand to, does it complement your aspirations or your goals? Because that's what we're talking about here, right? We're, we're up against quite a bit. You know, if you really want to get down to the nitty gritty of what's happening today, right? You know, so he mentioned the schools closing. You got the murder rate. You have all these different things that are pushing against our youth that are pushing against us. But amidst all that, what are your aspirations? What are your goals? Are you losing focus because of what's happening around you? You know, and whatever it is that you're trying to do, does it complement your potential? So what about the people who you surround yourself with? There's a quote by Jim Rohn that I've mentioned before on the show, and it deserves some thought. He says, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Are you pulling up the average of your five closest acquaintances? You know, are your your boys or your girlfriends? Are you pulling up the average? Because if so, how long will it be before they induce mediocrity on you? How long before they make you believe status quo is okay? Hey, man, why are you working like that? Why are you always pushing? You know, why, are you, you know, why are you always trying to be better? You know, how long is it before they just simply pull you down? And what about our places? You know, in Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich, he states, we begin to see the importance of selecting our environment with the greatest of care because environment is the mental feeding ground out of which the food that goes into our minds is extracted. I'm going to read that again. We begin to see the importance of selecting our environment with the greatest of care because environment is the mental feeding ground of which the food that goes into our minds is extracted. I already mentioned living space, but what does your living space say about you? Does it say dirty, dusty, sticky, nasty and disorganized? And I told you before, when I first started the show, I don't I don't hold punches, you know, so I'm not going, you know, literally hit you (laughs) and ball up my fist like we were talking about early. But what I want to do is mentally hit you. I want to I want to get you upset a little bit. You know, do you have an emotional reaction to that? Because that's what creates change. You know, so does it does your environment say that dirty, busy, you know, dusty, sticky, nasty, disorganized? Or does it say clean, efficient, effective, crisp, attractive, organized? Whatever it says, more than likely it's playing out in your appearance and behavior outside of your home. Our environment, the world in which we live and work is a mirror of our attitudes and expectations. I didn't say that Earl Nightingale did. What about your work? You know, Albert Einstein posed the following question. If a cluttered desk is a sign of a cluttered mind, of what then is an empty desk? And I like to call it Einstein's riddle because, you know, it may not may not always hold true. You know, when I left home, my desk was cluttered. You know, I've been working on things all day, doing some writing. But it does have some relevance. If a cluttered desk is a sign of a cluttered mind, Of what, then, is an empty desk? I find it fascinating how many people believe they are just too busy to get organized. These same people also seem perplexed by the way success seems to elude them. Trouble is, they're they're too busy for success, too. They just don't realize it. So does your environment enable or inhibit you? If it inhibits you, 
what are you going to do about it? We've talked about a lot this evening. Early in the show, I asked the questions, do we really become what we think about? Do our thoughts really create our reality? I shared the quote from Gandhi, and he said, a man is but the product of his thoughts, what he thinks he becomes. I posed the question, how powerful is the mind's eye? And if you know anything about human anatomy, anatomy, you know um, that the eye gets a lot of credit that it doesn't deserve. We typically say we see through our eyes when, in essence, we really see with our brain. The eye only serves as a tool to provide the reflective signals of colors and shapes that the brain needs to interpret and assign rational meaning. Simply put, you know, it's the brain that sees. The eyes only serve as the, as the mirror. Now, I do believe we can all agree that the brain and the mind are synonymous. So since this is true, would it be correct to imply that instead of our eyes, it is our mind that does all the seeing? And it is the same mind that does all the seeing that also does all the thinking, correct? Because if so, I would have to deduct the following. A great deal of what we think about has to do with what our mind sees. A great deal of what we feel has to do with what we think. A great deal of what we do has to do with what we feel. And what we do has everything to do with who we are. That is our reality. What we do becomes action that becomes our reality. I'm going to say it one more time. A great deal of what we think about has to do with what our mind sees. A great deal of what we feel has to do with what we think. A great deal of what we do has to do with what we feel. And what we do has everything to do with who we are. It is the action we take that creates our reality. Some years ago, I read a, uh, an epic poem called Paradise Lost by John Milton. And in this poem, one particular stanza really stood out to me. Uh, and the stanza goes like this. The mind is its own place and in itself can make a heaven of hell a hell of heaven. And so your state of being, your happiness or your unhappiness is, you know, then a state of mind. If you if you subscribe to that, um, do you? Subscribe to that. Earlier, I mentioned Napoleon Hill and Napoleon said fear is, a, is just a state of the mind. It's not really something that's real. So your ability to maintain either state has everything to do with your ability to control your mind. And we've all heard the old English proverbs, the eyes are a window to the soul. So I'm going to take this one step further and say the eyes are the door to the mind. And if you want to gain or maintain control of your mind, be careful what you let walk in and out of its front door. Because that front door would be your eyes. You guys see where I'm going with this? So, you know, what's what's on your mind, Chicago? I got uh, we got a caller, uh, Shirley from Chicago Heights. You are on the air. Hi, good evening. Uh, first, I'd like to say I do agree with your statement that um your thoughts influence your environment. Let me say that there's a quote, and I can't remember the philosopher. It may be Descartes, but it says, I think, therefore I am. I look at that two ways. I am as I exist, 
because I have a thought and I am because of what I think. So I truly, truly believe that what we um, ruminate on, what we obsess about our thinking, that it can become a part of our action. So I agree with that statement. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Shirley. Thanks. Bye. All right. All right. We got another caller. Brother Imani, you on the air. Gary, Indiana. Yes, sir. All praise to the God. This is your African community. The whole piece of uh, life is about choices. One's environment, as you are, uh, so uh, you place yourself in one in, in an environment, and it may not be your choice of environment. Then you have to take that and put it to another, and put it to, into another place. Your home. Let's say your home. Mm-hmm. You live in, in the worst ghetto in the world, as you said earlier. But you can make your home, your physical home, a paradise in, in, as much as you can. In other words, pictures, you can tell about a person when you go to their home. Mm. You look around and you can read who this person really is. And what can you tell, Brother Imani, when you walk into someone's home? When you walk into their home, okay, let's say it's, uh, it's unclean, unsavvy, it's savvy. Okay, clothes everywhere, shoes everywhere, there's a ring on the tub, there's, you know, this person has no sound values. Even though he or she may profess to have sound values, they have no sound values. Wow, now that's that's a strong statement to say they don't have sound values. Could it be, you know, uh, maybe well, a lack of home training? The statement is that itself. Because what you are... It, you, it comes out of you. You let it come out of you, what you are. If you are a clean person, you then you will have a clean environment. So if you are a person that don't care or have no value system, see, you must have a It's all about choices. You must have a system. Okay. All right. All right. I, you know, okay. I guess sometimes I wonder, I wonder how much... You know, do we, you know, you know, let's say as a people, how much is it that we just don't know? And that's why we are doing certain things. That's kind of what this show is all about, right? To inform, to help us begin to make a shift. Can I make one more thing? Yes. The mind thinks for the body. But the mind and heart are always at war. The Mm. mind thinks, but the body, the heart I tell you what is wrong and what is right. Like thievery. You go to a store, you say, I'm gonna try to I'm gonna steal that candy bar. Your mind says, go ahead and take it. But then your heart says, No, that's wrong. Okay. It's wrong to take that candy bar. See it's always at war. No, and I heart is always at war. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. Hey, brother Monty, I really appreciate your comments tonight. Right on time. Right on Thank time. You. Yep. You know, so he said life is choice. Life is choice. And uh, the mind thinks for the body and kind of talked about the mind versus the heart. It reminds me of a book I read called Switch, How to Change Things When Change is Hard. It's by uh, Chip and Dan Heath. And what they talk about in the book is how the mind is constantly at, at war, like what he said. And they call it the elephant against the rider. The rider is your logic. And the elephant is your emotions and your emotions are, you know, largely how we move. 
you know, and the rider is up top saying, no, go left, go left. And the emotions are like, nope, we're going to go right. I know many of us, we, you know, there's plenty of things that we have done and we go back and question, okay, why did I do that? It's uh, that elephant. That elephant is powerful. So how do you get the rider and the elephant to walk in unison in the same direction? Woo, that's another show. I got it for you, though. I might write that tomorrow for the blog. Let's stay on topic. So, you know, we've been talking about thoughts, environment, environment, uh, you know, what kind of impact does this have on you? What does it have on your life? What about words? You know, how might words impact our thoughts? Do words have power to influence our state of being? In 2005, Dr. Mizuro Emoto released a book called The Hidden Messages in Water. And in short, the book discusses the powerful impact that the vibrations of thoughts music, video, and words spoken and typed have on crystallized water. In this past week's post, I shared a three-minute video link that illustrated his research. And in this video, Dr. Emoto exposed crystallized water to positive and negative things, thoughts, and words. And when you have a moment or after the show, I would say, hey, go check out the video. You can just go to www.inspirationalperspective.com to check it out. But I'm going to summarize the video right now for you. He exposed crystallized water to the words, thoughts and music. For example, he exposed this crystallized water to words like love, thank you, appreciation, happiness, truth. And then he, you know, he, he exposed it to those words and then he switched it up and exposed it to, you know, other words like Adolf Hitler or demon or you make me sick. I want to kill you. So he exposed the water to thoughts and words alike. And he also analyzed water after a prayer, after the prayer and what the water looked like before the prayer. And he took samples of holy water and and he also checked the impact of music on water. So he played things like Beethoven's Pastoral or Amazing Grace. And his findings were truly remarkable and led me to believe that the vibration of thoughts and words have tremendous power. You know, so we were, you know, debating earlier, like, hey, how, how big is this thing? Can it really control what happens in your life? And, you know, after watching, you know, this video, I, you know, I said to myself, wow, how sobering is this? Because if thoughts and words, music and video can have an impact on water, when I say impact, when you watch this video, it's going to blow your mind. Then what about us, right? Because the human body is about 50 to 65 percent water. And as an adult human, 70 percent of our brain is water. And then more so for the children, because 75 percent of their bodies are comprised of water. And so if thoughts can manipulate water and we as humans are mostly composed of water, what impact is our thoughts having on us? What impact is our thoughts having on our children? What do you think about this? I mean, is it, is it a hoax? Is it true? I tell you, you know, for me, I've said it before, I'm going to err on the side of caution and continue to create an environment that produces thoughts of love, joy, gratitude, peace, hope, and inspiration into my life. And I hope you'll do the same. You know, if you come into my space at my home, you'll notice my favorite motivational quotes on the fridge. You know, Brother Armani just said it. You make your home into an oasis. 
And so all over my house, I have things that basically inspire and motivate me. I listen to music that inspires me, you know, to reach for my dreams, achieve my goals and follow my aspirations. And I surround myself with positive people who are aspiring to reach their dreams. You know, the words, love, peace and happiness. I got that posted on my threshold at home man. when I walk out and when I come in. Uh, why roll the dice on possibility? What if Dr. Emoto is wrong? Uh, you know, what if he's wrong? He might be. I'm not going to roll the dice on that. You know, besides, I, you know, thinking positive thoughts just seem to be more fun to me. You know, so what will you decide? I, uh, you know, we, we talk about Dr. Emoto's research and, and how words and thoughts can impact our lives. You know, the next thing I want to think about, you know, so how do we treat ourselves? You know, so when I think about words, you know, I wrote a blog, you know, some time ago and the name of the blog was Bad Names. You know, what I ask is, when was the last time someone called you a really bad name? And, you know, a lot of us, as we get older, that doesn't happen. Or if they say it, they say it under their breath or maybe you got into an argument and, you know, you say, well, they really don't mean it. But when we were young, this is something that happened on a, a regular basis. And for those of you who are young listeners, you probably can you know, relate to this. You know, when I was young, back in the 80s, I was growing up, my mom coined a, coined a phrase. She used to tell my brother and I, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. And uh, some of you all remember that, right? You know, you said, you know, somebody call your name, you sing it to them. You know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but your words, and well, you know, do they hurt? You know, uh, when I ask you, when was the last time somebody called you a name? Did you include yourself in the lineup? Because all too often I hear my friends and and uh, colleagues label themselves as idiots, dummies and stupid. And that's the PG version because we're on the radio. You know, and, you know, if you're guilty, I want to present the argument for why you should stop. You know, so number one. As children, we began to effectively communicate about 24 to 36 months after birth, right? And when we hit 13 to 15, all of a sudden, these words, you know, these kind of things, they, they used to offend us, but now they don't offend us so, so much anymore. And instead of being hurt and telling somebody, we almost beat them to the punch, right? So this is a learned, it's a learned thing. You know, if we make a mistake, we quickly roll our eyes and say, oh, man, I'm stupid. Why did I say that? But it's not true. How about you? You know, it, it's it's not true. We're humans and humans make mistake. We're not stupid if we learn from the mistakes. You know, so how much damage, you know, is the words that we're saying to ourselves hurting us? Words do hurt. They hurt more than we can imagine. You know, and Don Miguel Ruiz, he talks about this in the book, The Four Agreements. He talks about how we should speak with integrity and say only what we mean, not only to others, but also to ourselves. And then the third part, I'm going to take a few more callers before we uh, close, is self-affirmation. You know, you know, you can create a positive reality for yourself the same way you can create a negative reality. You know, self-defamation can create a negative reality for you. And if you don't believe me, hey, two plus two equals four. Always has. This is a proven truth in mathematics. So self-affirmation and self-defamation also have consequential outcomes. If these arguments swayed you, I'd like to know. Um, but uh, let's take a few more callers. I think we have a few people who, uh, you know, we only have a little bit of time. I got Mike in Dallas. So, Mike, be brief. But uh, what's on your mind? You're on the air. Hey, brother. How you doing? I'm good. I'm going to uh, have to challenge you again and 
disagree with you because I think you're on a slippery slope with regards to the attitude theory. And I agree with the caller in a perfect world, things would, your attitude could make a difference if everything was based on your attitude. But the bottom line is we were brought here as slaves. People still want us to be slaves. And I don't care how much of a positive attitude that you have, how many PhDs you have, how many, even how much many dollars you have in the bank, your attitude is not going to change the hearts and minds of people that hate you. And you can have a positive attitude, you could take it, but the bottom line is that we would still be in chains, we would still be in slavery if it wasn't for people that took action. And that means the Harriet Tubman's, uh, uh, the John Browns, the uh, many of the leaders that actually had to make physical efforts to demand and insist that things change. All right, so my- I don't think our society, and I'm going to close with this because I know you're in a hurry, I don't mm-hmm. think our society is willing to do the right thing just for the sake of doing the right thing. It never has, and as far as I'm concerned, it won't unless people start to come together with a positive attitude to make change. I'm okay with that. But I think without laws and without people stepping up and insisting and demanding and employing whatever techniques, any means necessary, we are not going to get some of the changes, and we're not going to make have equal progress. There's always going to be people that are left out, and I think for us to have more of an equal platform, it's going to take more than words, because some people do not, they just do not believe that equality is for everybody. And you know what, Mike, I, I, I agree. That. I'm going to have to cut you off, man, but I got something I want you to think about, you know, as you keep listening. You know, he, he hung up himself, but you know, hey, you said Harriet Tubman, you know, you got Frederick Douglass. If they didn't have if they didn't have a positive state of mind, if they weren't thinking outside of their circumstance, we wouldn't have had them. You know, so I, I hear what we're saying, but we, we get so caught up in what's happening. Well, I mean, it's about state of mind. I got Eric on the south side. You got to be quick, brother. Eric. Yeah. Hey, you know what I wanted to say? You know, sometimes we think that life works like uh, like a formula, A, B, C, and D. If I do A, B, C, and D, these are the results I should come out with, you know. But at a certain time, look like when we work them steps, like pouring everything into a relationship, so I done done all that, I knew the right thing, but here I'm getting these negative results. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that does happen. You know, you got a kid, maybe his uh, dreams of being an NBA player, He's practicing and practicing, and then when he gets on the court for the trial, he's cut from the team. So, you know, I, I, I think at times, you know, in a certain probably situation, like I said, when, you know, we, 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 we train to, you know, uh, work hard and get a good job or uh, try to uh, do the, be the best we can in life and do all we can, and then we turn around and we get the opposite of what we put in. Right, right. Well, you know, uh, and that's that's I uh, lost them too. Okay, but brother Eric, I, I hear what you're saying, man. And uh, you know, we definitely I'm gonna bring this topic up again because it's, it's got some callers. I got you got uh, thirty seconds. Wl, thirty seconds, brother. Thirty seconds. I don't know. But let me ask you a question. Uh, I like your medical metaphysical approach to training the community. This is very very good. Something should be done more, more often on our station. Uh, what is the mind? What is the mind? You're asking me that. 
Right. The the mind. I mean, that's the it is the control panel. It is it is the computer of the body. Okay, and we're not talking about the mind because there are a billion there are billions of minds in the body. Yeah. Every well, cell. okay. Hey, you know what? You're calling me at fifty nine. I got twenty <laughs> seconds to close, brother. So okay. we don't have to. We have to get to that later. All right. Okay. All right. All right. This episode of Inspirational Perspective was recorded at the Midway Broadcasting Corporation in Chicago, Illinois, on WVON 1690 AM, The Talk of Chicago. Thank you for listening. Go to Inspirational Perspective's Facebook page and like the page. Follow Linnell Harris on social media at the handle Linnell Harris. You can find him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with that handle. Text INSPIRED to 43783 to receive free inspirational quotes and updates.